wondered how those who full-time made that decision, what the considerations were, how they approached the process of downsizing to the point of all of their worldly possessions fitting into an RV? Well, my guest today is Sandy Ellingson, Executive Director of the RV Women's Alliance. Sandy and her husband have been full-timers for over six years, and she has a lot to share about what she did, how she did it, and what she'd do differently if she knew then what she knows now. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. The Girl Camper Podcast is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 13 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing support and sponsorship for Girl Camper is Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And GoRVing.com, home base for everything you need to get started RVing. And of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of the Max and Mini RVs. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster. And this is episode 212 of Girl Camper, the podcast. So many ask me about full timing. And I am not and probably never will be a full-timer. That is why I am always happy to welcome a full-timer to the show. Everyone has a different motive for wanting to go full-time. There are also many different ways to approach all of the tasks involved in making that happen. Sandy Ellingson did it in steps. First downsizing from the family home to a loft in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, and then taking the plunge and buying the RV. Our chat with Sandy's coming up next. Stay tuned. Before we head into our featured topic, I have a few messages from our Girl Camper sponsors, Campco and Go RVing. Go RVing wants you to know how affordable an RV vacation is. It's more affordable than you might think, so head over to GoRVing.com and click on their Affordability tab to find out how RV travel can be more economical than other types of vacations. While you're there, they also have valuable information on the ins and outs of buying and renting an RV and how the latest models of RVs are designed to be even more fuel efficient. They even have expert advice on purchasing RV insurance. While you're there, 
check out the RV Vacation Value Generator. This is a cool little tool they have where you can compare the cost of a family RV vacation to the cost of other types of family vacations. I'll give you a hint, you can do a lot more vacationing when you have an RV than you can at any resort. Find your way at Go RVing. I also have news from our friends at Campco. Campco makes things, things for the outdoors, and things that make us safer in the outdoors, including the Campco Power Grip RV 30 Amp Voltage Protector with Integrated Surge Protection. This will help protect your RV and appliances from high and low voltage levels and power surges. If a dangerous condition is detected, it's going to automatically disconnect and it's not going to reconnect until normal operating conditions have been restored. When you plug this in, there is a diagnostic LED lighting system that is going to indicate any wiring faults that might be Um, at the power pedestal at your campground. So the voltage protector protects against faults from reverse polarity, open neutral, and other wiring issues. In the two and a half years that I have had my power defender, there have been two or three occasions where I have plugged in in a campground and discovered that the pole I was plugging into had reverse polarity, which is very, very dangerous. So the Power Defender has a durable power grip handle. It makes plugging it in and unplugging it super easy. It is weatherproof and able to withstand adverse weather conditions when installed in the upright position. The Power Defender from Campco, you can find that at any place that sells Campco products, but I always just look these things up on Amazon. Thank you, Camco, for making our time in the outdoors more fun and, more importantly, safer. It is my pleasure to welcome Sandy Ellingson, Executive Director of RVWA, that's the RV Women's Alliance, to today's podcast. Sandy has a resume that simultaneously inspires and exhausts me. She has had a prolific and rewarding career helping nonprofits and is now putting her considerable talent into helping women gain positions of influence in the RV industry. All of that is great, and we will certainly talk about some of those things, but Sandy is one of us. She's a girl camper who had a dream with her husband of chucking the big house and hitting the road to see America the Beautiful. After several years on the road, we can learn a lot from her about the dream, the skinny on downsizing, and the reality of a life on the road with no stick and brick home. Sandy, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of this. Well, you know what? I had such a great time getting to know you through RVWA. It's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. And I just want to spend a minute telling our listeners who are mainly women and maybe work in an industry that's predominantly male (laughs) as well. And I'm not bashing the guys. Let me tell you, I came into this industry five years ago knowing very little about it and just knocking on doors saying, hey, it's me, girl camper, and I want to help people learn about the RV lifestyle. And I have never had anything but great rapport and great response from the people in our industry. But it is nice seeing some women come up through the ranks in this industry and have more positions of influence here. 
I agree. And I'm like you. I love our guys. We Our membership is made up of men and women. The only requirement is that you want to be able to support women rising in the organization. And, you know, there's lots of guys out there with daughters that they love to see have strong careers in the RV industry. And so they are as big a supporters as some of our women. And so I, I appreciate working with everybody. And uh, my passion, really, because years ago, I got a degree in early childhood education, mm-hmm. although I never taught, because when I graduated college at 18, you had to be 21 to teach in the state of Georgia. <laughs> so I couldn't get a teaching job. I ended up going into banking. But my heart has always been pouring into the next generation. And I'm at a place now where I get to do that and to pour into young women and to encourage them to come into this industry, which I believe is an industry in huge need for qualified and competent um, employees because of the growth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a joy and a pleasure every day. Well, you came into RVWA um, as the executive director and really in the month that you have been here, I have seen so much happening and it just seems like this organization was put together with really good intentions by people who were basically volunteers. And so now we have a leader well, and, you know, I actually joined as a volunteer, so I spent several months just as a volunteer, felt extremely passionate about it, felt the pain of the staff who were trying during this crisis, trying to maintain their jobs, do all the work, and not be able to give, you know, the focus that this needed as it grew. I mean, we really have grown so much, and so I was at a place where I could say, you know, I'd really love to consider doing this and why don't you just think about it and so it it all came to fruition and so I had a lot of time to think about it from the time I told Susan who's the president of the board um you know I'm kind of interested in this to when she actually came back and said yeah let's consider this so I already had my plan in mind so I hit the ground running and uh, the girls are real quick to tell me that I am a fire hose when they only wanted a drink of water. <laughs> well, if you graduated from college at age 18, uh, age 18 I, I have a feeling that you have not slowed down too much since then. I have not. Yeah. I love what I do and I do what I love. And so no reason to slow down. Well, let's talk about your girl camper story, because I think one of the best things you bring to the table is that you're an RVer. And you and I spoke about this before so many times in our industry that we love so much. We come up against people who work in the industry, but don't use the, they're, they're not RVers themselves. And that makes a world of difference. It, it really does. And, you know, I started camping in elementary school and high school with my best friend's family. And it was so much fun. My family never camped, but my, but they did. And it was funny because as we got older, they had friends that had no children. And so they would stay in their camper and they would let us girls stay in their camper all by ourselves. <laughs> and I mean, I just, some of my best memories are from those camping experiences. And so then, you know, got married, raised a family, 
My, my husband's family, RV, they're from Washington State. We were here in Georgia. They would come every year in September, and they would stay to Thanksgiving. And I was always so mad at them because they would leave, and it would take them a month to get here. And I'm like, just beeline it. Just get here. We want to see you. And because I had forgotten the joy of the journey at that point. I, it, had been, it had been a while. And um, so then Mark and I decided, you know, when... When the kids are grown, why don't we just take off? And so we spent literally 10 years dreaming about the day that we could do that. And so the first downsizing was from the house to a loft. So we cut our physical space by about half. And that wasn't as hard. But then going from the loft to the motorhome was interesting. (laughs) Well, let me ask you about that. Let me ask you about that. Uh, so there's two schools of thought here, and we get a lot of mail at Girl Camper. Like, there's a lot of women who are like, I want to go full-time. But from the get-go, did you decide we're not going to keep a brick-and-stick house? We're going to get rid of it and go. Was there any part of you that said, let's get a condo and have it there when we well, come home? We actually did talk about that. Um, before we even moved from our big home, um, you know, we had a home that we raised our children in. It was just us. There was, you know, three-fourths of the house we did we never went into. And we always felt like we needed to be good stewards of what we had. And so we were constantly having somebody come live with us or traveling people come by and stay. And, and then it just got to the point where we just really don't want all this stuff. And so that was even before the RV, you know, dream really kicked into full fruition. Um, so when it came time to decide whether we went full time or kept a stick and brick, at that point we only had a loft. It was we had no yard, we had no equipment that kept up a yard. A lot of that was already gone, and we were like, okay, so why do we need this? And we did take a few trips in the motorhome. Um, like with most people's journeys, we got our motorhome and there was, we didn't buy new. So there were major remodels that we wanted to do. And so there were trips in between, mm-hmm. you know, before we got it to where we wanted it. But then within about three months when we were ready, it was like, this is all or nothing. We're in. And so, you know, we pulled everything together. We had our yard sale. And I went out to the pad where our motorhome was stored with all the stuff that I was going to now put into my RV. And the pile was as big as the RV. (laughs) So more downsizing. And I called my girlfriend who had already gone full time. And I said, what am I supposed to do? I need all this stuff. And she's like, no, you don't. I'm like, yes, I do. I need four evening gowns because I might go to a fancy dinner, right? And and I have 17 frying pans, and they're all my favorites. Yeah. And she just laughed at me. And so, of course, you physically can't fit it all in there. So now you've really got to start making some decisions. The things that we did keep, obviously, you know, cherished photos, some uh antiques that we had we had we found a place to store some some things like that but really once we got it out on the pad and it was like starting to move things in and then okay this doesn't fit which one do I want the most take one out put it in that was about another week's project and we were slam full when we pulled out but 
I had and whittled the pile down. down. Sandy, once you got all that stuff out of the driveway and in that RV and you hit the road, was there anything that you missed that you really felt like, oh, I wish I still had that? There were. There were a couple of things, and mostly it related to some of my kitchen stuff, which was kind of funny because I really had more kitchen stuff than I needed. I just didn't have the particular kitchen things that I was looking for. And so, you know, that first 30 days, there were some angst like, oh, I don't have this. But we made the rule that if we bought something, I had to take something out because it was so packed. We were at our weight limit. And, and so, so we didn't, didn't buy anything because there was nothing I was willing to give up in the first 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk about your rig itself because there's it's one thing to have the dream. And I've had this conversation with so many people. Like, how do you decide what to get? What was your research process? Did you go to Class A? Was it always going to be a Class A? Did you ever consider a travel trailer? Tell me about the process of deciding what your home that is. Right. That was really interesting. Um, the one thing we knew that we wanted was that if we, whatever we did, we wanted diesel. So if it was a Class A, we wanted diesel. If we went fifth wheel or a bumper coal, we wanted a diesel truck. And that's because we're in Georgia. My grandkids are in Washington. We knew we were going to be making a lot of trips back and forth, and we were going to need that diesel engine. So that was the only thing we really knew that we wanted. Of course, that also hit the budget, right? Because when you go from gas to diesel, you're talking a huge difference in cost, which meant I had to look older, not, you know. And so we literally started looking. I knew there were things that I could change and things I couldn't change. And we started asking a lot of questions. So the first thing we started thinking about was the layout, how we were going to live, that kind of thing. So did we, it was really a class A bumper pull or fifth wheel decision. And I had friends that said, look, here's, here's what you need to think about. If you are going to be travel stop, travel stop, travel stop in a hurry all the time, which is the way I had lived my life as a road warrior with consulting all over the country, you need a motorhome because you're going to want to be able to pull into a Walmart or a Cracker Barrel and boondock and just stop for a few hours and go. Uh, if you are going to go and you're going to set up camp and stay for a few days, maybe a week, a month, you're going to want a fifth wheel because it's going to give you better living space. And that was really great advice because we do move a lot. And so we very seldom set up and stay one place for very long. Uh, there's just too much in the world to see for me to want to do that. And even if we go, like, to Washington to see the grandkids, we like to move. If we're there two months, we may be in eight places in two months. And so, you know, you just get the flavor. So that was the first decision. And then the second was the floor plan, which I knew I wanted the opposing slides because I'm very social and I wanted in a conversation area. We didn't really want as long as we got the, the length of the coach, but by the time we started looking, and because we were looking at used, and I had heard all these horror stories, I actually hired a retired dealership owner, because I'm a consultant, so I believe you go to the experts and said, I will pay you to help me choose the right one. I don't want to choose one where I'm getting snowed. That was smart. 
And they that was a really wise decision. And honestly, we got a great coach with great bones. And what did you get? We got a Holiday Rambler uh, Imperial. Uh, 2003, I think, and it's 40 feet long, maybe. That's long. If we're going into a state park, it's only 38 feet long. Uh, if we're measuring it, you know, tip to tip, it might be 42, you know, but so we just kind of average and say it's 40. Uh, but it, we didn't really want one that big, but it happened to be the one we found that was in great condition, you know, that we could really... It had all everything we wanted at our price point, and so we just we've been looking for a year at that point avidly, and so we we said this is it, we're done, this is what we're buying. Now, when the two of you set off, was there a division of duties like you're in charge of the inside of this thing, and your husband's taking care of all the mechanics and the driving and the outside? Absolutely. That was my job. Was the inside? I break it down. I put it up where I want it. I learned how to let the slides in and out, you know, how to make sure the awnings were in, that kind of stuff. But his job was everything else, all that outdoor hookup, unhook, you know, that's him. Have you ever learned to do any of that yourself or driven it? No. No. I have driven it. I said, look, I'm going to learn. I'm going to drive it one or two times so that if you have a heart attack on the road, I can take over and get me to a restaurant. <laughs> I'll drop you no. off at the ER, and then I'm in a cracker yeah, barrel. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but so I, I think I do okay driving it. I'm not like totally afraid to drive it. I'm not real comfortable. I would not like to go through Atlanta traffic driving it. Mm. But if it were an emergency, I think I could. Right. But right. I, I'm the one that's working, and he's mostly retired. And so when I'm sitting in the front of that rig with that big window, yeah, and you're typing away. Up, <laughs> That's my queen BC, right? And I am just 100% totally happy. Yeah, so. I I, ac I actually love it when my husband is with me because that lets me get out of the driver's seat and I get a whole lot of work done. Then when we get to the campground, I can be relaxed and happy. Yeah. yeah. Now, we have recently started talking about downsizing um, and potentially getting like a small Class C or... Um, a bumper pull or something, but mm -hmm. a trailer. Uh, Maybe a small fifth wheel. Yeah. And, and and I would most definitely feel comfortable doing that on my own. It's yeah. the, I guess really honestly, the biggest thing is it's not that I couldn't learn to do it because I believe in mastering things. Mm -hmm. And I made him teach me how to ride a motorcycle two up, okay, which meant he was on the back of the motorcycle while I was learning. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but so, I, but I learned, and so I, I really, I, you know, I don't mind it. I'm not afraid of it. But I really am working. But I think as I'm slowing down and doing more than where I'm giving back, I would probably like to do more of the driving. Sometimes it's kind of relaxing. And go ahead. Just it would be more. I think I would have. I would be more comfortable with something smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we see that a lot where people start out with the really big rig and then they go down and down. I could never imagine going down to like a class B van. But, um, yeah. you know, I could see myself in a 31 foot class A. I could do it. Right. <laughs> yes. I want to ask you about 
that first year of life on the road, I mean, uh, when I listen to people tell these stories and there are so many women who write to me and we have one right now who just sold her house. She's getting ready to take off full time. She's never done it at all. So what was that first year like for you? Were, were you thinking, I'm in heaven, this is everything I dreamed? Or were you thinking, I've lost my mind? Uh, no, I was in heaven. Now, everybody around me thought I had lost my mind. I mean, all my family, my friends, they are like, what are you thinking? You know, just keep that off. Don't give it. You may not like Don't get rid of it. You may not like it. I mean, they really thought we were nuts. But I was so ready for it. And I just loved it. Now, the mistake that we made the first year, and it was mostly me because I basically told Mark, you know, where to go and where I wanted to be by the next day. I was so used to traveling on the road for work that I was still living, make it from point A to point B. Right. And, and as quick as possible. So we were still acting like road warriors. And I would listen to other people that were full time on the road and they'd say, wow, we had a rough day today. I mean, we drove four hours. Mm-hmm. We were on the road for, and, and I'm thinking, you are such a weenie. Right. I mean, we, we made 12 hours today. And it was like a badge, a badge of honor. And I'm like, later on, towards six months or seven months into that, I started going, Man, we have put all these miles on the motorhome, and I cannot tell you what these states that we've been through looked like. So let me ask you this. Where were you going? Like, did you have a plan? Or like like some people set off, and they're like, I'm going to see every national park. Right. Like, when you took off, what was your plan? Well, Because you seem like a planner. I am, but when we took off, the plan was to get from Georgia to Washington, because that's where our other grandkids were. And so we wanted to go up there and spend some time with them. It was the perfect time of year. In retrospect, I wish we'd taken longer to get there. But, you know, we, we beelined it. We were there in a week. And then we spent, you know, a month or so there. Um, but then after that, it was where were my clients taking me? Because working in the nonprofit space, one of the things that I loved was instead of flying somewhere and having to bill them for the airfare and the time it took me to get there and all my meals while I was there and all that, I drove my motorhome and I had a place to stay and I had my own meals and I parked in their parking lot because most of the time we could boondock. And so it just became, it was so much more pleasant for me. Um, I, I wasn't under the stress of trying to get to an airport, don't have internet, you know, all those kind of things. Um that I just, I just loved it. And so the work really dictated where we went in large part. Um, and by the end of the first year, I had really gotten comfortable with working remotely. Um, because before that, I wasn't as comfortable. I wasn't sure I was going to have internet. And I was afraid that they needed me physically still. Um, but by the end of the first year, it became now the uh, road is our you know, it's, it's our dream. dream. Where do you want to go? Take a left. Where is that going? Mm-hmm. Now, so, how many years have you been on the road? Five. Five. And now, as we're speaking, you are in kind of a temporary housing situation back in Atlanta. What brought you back to Atlanta? Okay, so I had some health issues, and I needed a place to kind of hunker down for a little while. And so we started using the home office that we had, um, my son and I had found. We stayed here for a little while, then got better, got back on the road. 
But because I had already had this place and remodeled it somewhat for staying occasionally, we were able to come here and stay from Thanksgiving to Christmas, which is when we traditionally would be here with my grandkids in Georgia. Um, and then we'd always pick up and leave in January for the Tampa show. Well, of course, this year we went to the Tampa show and then we went to a couple of other things and then the virus hit. So it's been kind of nice to have this place to stay. And, you know, the motor home's not far away, and we go out and visit her and, you know, love on her and let her know that we haven't forgotten her. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, what advice you would give to someone who, whether it's a solo woman traveler or just a couple like you and Mark, do you feel like there's a mistake you made someone else could avoid? Or, or what advice would you give someone just starting out? With this dream, the someone who has the dream and they're just starting the research. and I think that I did a really good job researching and trying to make the right decision of what to buy. But I did not do as good a job of trying to figure out how to find community. And so I did not go on Facebook and look for camping groups. And I was not a member of our village. And I was not a member of escapees. I, I didn't have a community. And... That means a lot when you first go on the road, because if you have to pick up and call somebody that you're paying every time you have something go wrong in a motorhome, you're in trouble. Um, and so the first time that we had, you know, the little emergency scare, you're like, ah, you know, and, and so that's when I started searching for a community and found them and, you know, always in crisis, right? Uh, but it was amazing because we were, you know, stranded on the side of Interstate 75, and I find this community, and I get on there, and it just so happens that there's a guy that responds to me that had worked on Holiday Ramblers his whole career, and he's retired, and he said, you're not going to believe me, but this is what's going on, and I'm going to call a friend of mine. Now, this guy was states away, but he had some friend that was near where we were, and lo and behold, he showed up and got us on our way, and it was something really simple. And isn't uh, that the beauty of the RV industry itself? Like, campers are the best people. They absolutely are. When I was struggling with my solar out in January in Boondocking out in Arizona, everybody mm -hmm. was coming by to help me, and everybody had an idea of what could have been going wrong, and it, it was just right. so great to be surrounded by so many caring people. And that's what I love about um, our culture and our community there. Yep. It, what groups do you belong to that you really could recommend? Well, I, I'm a part of our village. I've been a part of our village since they have about 4,000 members, and now they're up to 200,000. Um, I've made really good friends inside of our village, and so they really are like my family. Um, we belong to, you know, Thousand Trails and Coast to Coast and some of those just for campgrounds. Um, I always recommend if you're considering something like that to make sure that you buy from a reseller mm -hmm. or read the blog that um, from Army Love did a huge um, set of blogs on how to buy. And you really need to know that because literally... We bought our membership, which was an older membership that had better um, features to it, for like $2,500. And we find people all the time that are still buying these new memberships because they go, well, $12,000 is not that much if we're living on the road full time. 
and, and it is because, because you can, can get the same, same thing with better features. So we're part, part of some of those. But um, and then I'm on a couple of Facebook groups, primarily my Washington and my Georgia. Um, or I'm real active in go camping in those areas. I love them, and so those are those are my primary ones. Now these years have gone by, and you're really retired from this consulting work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're at a stage of your life where you feel like you've done a lot of church work, community work. You're a real giver. You're a person who has been involved in helping every good cause out there. I can't believe you're out on the road here and you're living life now without a cause, without giving back. How, how are you filling up that hole? Because oh. that's your person. Yeah, believe, believe me, there, there is no hole. <laughs> One of the things I found when I got on the road was that my parks were very much like my nonprofits. They were always understaffed, meaning that they, they were great people, but they didn't necessarily have the education they needed. Um, they were under, they had not enough technology. And if they did have technology, it was the wrong kind of technology. Um, and so as we were going and I'm staying at these parks and you go to check in and you look at what they're struggling with, or I literally went in where some were still using boards with markers and you're going, Oh my, right. And so I just started helping and one thing led to another. And so now, I mean, I've got friends in parks all over the country that I just kind of help them out and volunteer doing that. And then, of course, I fell into the thing with RBWA, which I absolutely love, and that takes up a lot of my time. And then there's a couple of national initiatives now that I'm a part of um, that I get, you know, called about when people think I can help. Uh, kick a door in, they call me. And so I'm always busy. You are, yes. Yeah. If you took a look, just stepping back with a view from the balcony about the whole full-timing thing, what would you say if you had to assign one benefit to the whole thing? What would you say that was? Freedom. Freedom. Your things do not own you. You own your things. And you you do because of you're free to do it, right? And Mark and I were very fortunate in that, you know, I tell you, we saved for a long time for this. So when we bought our motorhome, we paid cash for it. Mm -hmm. And so we had gotten to the point where we were debt-free and other than, you know, your normal monthly insurance things and stuff like that. Um, but we just found a freedom because we, we had so many things. I mean, it was two of us and we had four cars. Mm. Why? Right? I mean, they weren't all new, but we still had four vehicles. We had toys, right? You know, the motorcycle and the this and the that. And, all that stuff takes upkeep and all that stuff takes time and you have to make sure you protect it and you manage it. And man, when it was all gone, I was really surprised. My husband even got rid of all of his tools. And for a man, that's hard. That was when he did that, I felt extremely challenged, right? To get and rid of your stuff. Because I couldn't believe he was doing that because he's there. I mean, he's good with them. They're a part of his life. and But he didn't need them on the road. There were a few he took, but he didn't need them. And, wow, it really did make a difference, you know. And you always want to have it in case, in case, right? 
Um, but literally, my, my friend said, at six months, you're going to declutter. And then in a year, you're going to declutter. And by the time you hit two years, you're going to have empty cabinets. And she was absolutely dead on right. I mean, you could go and look, and we've got cabinets that are not, I mean, they're not full. And I've got bins where I swap from winter to summer, and they're not crammed where you got to, you know, pour some clothes. I mean, you can look in them, and they're half empty. So Yeah. What are your future plans for travel? Um, we want to do the East Coast. We have done up Highway 1 on the West Coast many, many times because we're always leaving Georgia on the border of Alabama heading west. And so as soon as this is over, our goal is to go as far to the East Coast as we can and then head and hug the coast all the way up as far up as we can go. Get up to Acadia. Yes, and then we'll cut across and jump back down to Elkhart, Indiana, which will be our, our destination. I want to meet some of these amazing women that I'm getting to work with right now. Well, when you're driving through New Jersey, you've got to stop here. Absolutely. That would be so I'll fun. be happy to cook you a great meal on the back porch. Oh, that would be great. What would be even more fun is I'll hook up my camper and meet you at a great campground. That would be great. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and I can I can share my secret s'more recipe with you. <laughs> well, there that's funny. I was laying in bed last night. I'm always dreaming up content. There's a machine in my head that won't shut off. And I was laying in bed last night thinking, ooh, I should go online and have everybody post their favorite s'more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I found this from a girlfriend. She was supposed we were going to do a camp out. And we were the only ones with the motorhome, so our, and our church had bought some property. So we took the motorhome and put it on the property, and then everybody else came and brought tents. And they, her job was to bring the ingredients for s'mores. Well, I look on the table, and there are no graham crackers. And I'm like, how are we going to make s'mores? And she said, we're going to use saltines. And I said, What? Oh, my goodness. So good, right? Best thing ever. And then instead of using the hard chocolate, she, you know, would use the, um, the Nutella. Nutella, all kinds, Oreo cookies and cream. I mean, you name it. But it's the spread so that you're not trying to. The, the marshmallow never melts the hard chocolate. Not right? enough. So I think oh, wow. I think I ate 12 that night. I, they were rolling me over to the door of the motorhome, and then I just laid there. Yeah, I know. It's so good. And I did have a some more with saltines last year, and it was life-changing. It, it is. was so good. It is. And it was the hardest time for me to get my grandkids to eat one. They're like, no, that's gross. But when they finally did, now they love it. You'll never go back. Never go back. Well, Sandy, it was great talking to you. I can't wait for to work more with you, and it's exciting to have you on the board there at the helm of the uh, RV Women's Alliance. Um, I have uh, nudged a bunch of the Girl Camper Guides to join, and we're looking forward to your leadership. Oh, I am, I am so, so excited. excited. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having, having me. me. And thank you for sharing your story, because I think it's so important, and we learn so much from other people's experience and everybody can relate to one or two things that you said that might help them out yep, yep. my only my regret, regret is, is i didn't do it, do it sooner, sooner. <laughs> that's a good regret to have that's, that's right. right well thank, thank you me. my friend it was good talking okay. to you and happy trails you too, you too. Bye-bye. bye-bye okay bye-bye
Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank Sandy for sharing her story here and possibly keeping someone in the process from making a costly mistake. We're always learning from others here at Girl Camper. I also want to thank our friends at Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia. They are the first-time buyer's dealership. The experienced staff at Setzer's is going to help you find the right model for you. Whether you're looking for a lightweight towable travel trailer, a fifth wheel, a pop-up, or a motorhome, Setzer's has about 150 new and used trailers on site to choose from. And their staff is going to help you assess your needs and your tow vehicle to find the perfect match for you. They won't let you go camping until their team has walked you through every aspect of your trailer and given you their camping starter kit. Their reputation for selection, quality service, and competitive pricing makes them the go-to dealer, not only for West Virginia, but for Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee residents as well. To look at their selection online, go to girlcamper.com and click on the Setzer's link, or just go to setzersrv.com and do a little virtual shopping. Thank you, Setzer's. I'd also like to thank our friends at General RV with 13 locations around the country, Bankston Motorhomes with six locations in Tennessee and Alabama, Go RV, and of course, Campco Manufacturing. That's a wrap for this week, everybody. I hope everyone has a good week. Happy trails. <music>